Welcome to Fashion Forum, a podcast brought to you by the British Fashion Council. I'm Caroline Rush, Chief Executive. Today we bring you a series of conversations highlighting the relationship between the creative industries, celebrating not only fashion designers, but also the broader creative community, all of whom play a vital role in our industry's culture and reputation, promoting British creativity on a global scale. Hello everybody. Hi Anya. My name is Julietta Dexter. I was the CEO of the communications store. I'm now co-founder and chief growth and purpose officer of our newly formed company, Science Magic Inc. It's just great, Anya, to be able to have a conversation with you today and celebrate um, I think in an era of fashion that you and I have both enjoyed so much and focus our energies, our positivity and our hope and optimism for the future of fashion in a post-COVID world. <laughs> I, should, I, should, I should lean in here and say that we are sort of, you know, sort of a fair disclosure, we are very good friends. So <laughs> we'll try, kind of, try and stay on track, but it's so lovely to hear your voice. Well, thank you, Anya. And yes, um, I feel very privileged to call you my friend. And I can I can remember when we first met each other. Um, and it's just been a fantastic journey, I think, that we've both been on as we've grown our businesses. And um, I think that you are celebrating 10 years um, as a non-exec of the British Fashion Council and stepping down from your role uh, imminently i believe that, well in fact we had last my last board meeting last week so yeah no 10 years um so much fun i mean just the most amazing people to be and group to be part of and actually 10 years of, of i think quite a lot of change actually in the industry um and i, I said to caroline i think i was her first appointment as she became ceo and i said i think it's important normally you would have a sort of five year possibly with a five-year extension term but i think after 10 years it's really important to get fresh blood and, and fresh thinking but of course i will always always be on the the uh, the, the sideline and, and in the wings to to help out because i'm passionate about what they do in supporting british fashion but without a doubt there's been so much change in that time from very much a sort of the old retail very heavily retail model to a much more digital combined with um, retail model and all the changes that have that have happened. I'm sure we'll touch on them from timetable to, you know, the environment and and uh, and, and just the way we work is actually significantly different. Um, so it's been a real privilege to see it from the inside and to um, to to help where I can. And and so a sad sad time to stand down, but I think it's it's the right thing. And there's an amazing group of non-execs um, that are there, um, and and will do a great job. I'm I'm sure. I want to ask you about the, um, frankly, the environmental work that you've been doing and frankly, were a real innovator in that space. Um, I remember pictures of you outside Sainsbury's and all sorts of incredible um, initiatives. But before we talk about uh, those sort of positive impact decisions that you've made um, with Anya Heinmarch, um, I want to talk about um, your decision to hold an on-schedule show um, at London Fashion Week and, and what triggered that decision. I mean, it was, I mean, I've been lucky enough to be at, at your shows, Anya, and I wonder what, what your commitment, what your decision was to do that. Well, I think um, we, I changed, like you, I changed my role. So I was 
CEO and um, creative director, officer, whatever the title is, but had the creative role as well. And I um, then, which was probably back in 2012, moved. We, we brought in our first chief executive. I moved over to the, to the creative role because I really want to have time just to focus back 100% on product and on on the the brand and, and every sort of touch point. And and it's funny. I, I mean, as you know more than anyone, that when you're CEO you're just so busy all the time and, and if you're not careful in a design business you, you don't have any time for the product it's, it's you know it's so it's sort of 10 minutes or 10 percent of your your day is spent on, on product which of course is so important so i had this lovely opportunity to go back to really focusing on the creative side and in a way i wanted to do something actually that would make me scared which sounds rather ridiculous but i think we all tend to many of us tend to our best work when we have that sort of frisson of adrenaline and sort of slight fear and by by committing to a show, which I think was the first show, um, accessory show that was sort of on schedule. Um, it was, you know, it was a scary moment. It meant I had to really step up and, and sort of give my best. And, and those shows, which we did actually for quite a long time before we changed our strategy, and I'm sure we'll talk about that, but um, actually really worked for me to give me a sort of a, a platform to sort of say look look at this as a standalone um brand not just an accessories brand and actually let's have a, a sort of a platform for our creativity and for the, the fun of the brand and um so i loved and hated an equal measure but mainly loved every second of doing those shows and um and i think they really helped communicate who 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 we are so they were important yes and um anya your creativity sort of knows no bounds um, and I will talk about um, the environmental work that you've been doing and have done over so many years. But there's a certain, um, I don't know if you agree with me, but there is a sort of exclusivity uh, in the fashion world. I sort of sometimes think that there are probably about 300 people in the world that make fashion really go around. And sometimes I've certainly felt a little bit like an imposter in the room sort of thinking oh, I don't really believe belong here but somehow you've had this accessibility and this wit and this openness that have a made your household name and b I want to point out because it's very pertinent to me you have an element of kindness and love around you that I think has really been unique to you in in the fashion world and I wonder how you have how you've kept that sense of real fun and openness and sort of haven't become a sort of um, terrifying uh, fashion industry person. Well, firstly, thank you. That's about the nicest compliment I've ever, ever had, I think. Um, I mean, I think we all, and I reckon everyone, you know, even even the absolute top of that tree of those 300 people you refer to, I think everyone feels like an imposter at times. I think that's, it's human nature in whatever industry or whatever sector um you know there's always times when when you know you feel you have to fake it to make it and, and you don't feel on the inside um, i think though it's um people often talk about the fashion industry as being sort of quite a sort of you know bitchy industry or quite a you know a sort of dog eat dog and actually that's not my experience of it actually and i think that there's a lot of really collaborative friendly supportive um people who are very open um about sharing and um giving people a leg up and I was surprised by that actually and, and I, I think I mean it is the only way to work isn't it I, I just would rather I, I couldn't bear treading on people to get where I wanted to get to I would rather have less frankly and not have done that and I mean and you by the way are the absolute um, example of that I mean everyone should read your book by the way which I'm sort of obsessed by um, which really you know talks about that actually and I, I sort of think that I always think when you do something bad um, you know ultimately sort of you know things you know what, what sort of 
goes around comes around but often a bit slower than you might you might hope in some respects but you know there's there's a few people recently that have sort of you know fallen off their their sort of lofty pedestals and actually it's it's not pretty i would rather um have less far to fall or at least not have sort of people waiting to kind of you know to celebrate your fall i just i just like too short for all that stuff and i think fashion needs to feel more inclusive and less exclusive and um and i think you know if you look at all the topics that that we're tackling at the moment from i mean obviously being included in presentations and so therefore you know how does that work with fashion weeks being included in the comms being included in terms of diversity being included in terms of shape and size i mean that is such a big topic for fashion you know when every single fashion image until very recently you know we're all guilty of this was was a sort of an unrealistically sized person i mean that's that's actually that does you know a huge amount of damage so i think we, it's incumbent on all of us to actually think about how we approach this that actually doesn't make people feel left out and um that's not a that's not a good thing that's not a win for an industry at all and you know what's not even commercially successful actually it's stupid you know you're cutting out i mean i would say 80 percent of the population because probably less than 20 percent of you know the sort of model figure um so it's it's i think we all have to change and, and i think that just has to be our mo from now on uh, and i think it is happening there's a lot of collaboration everyone's really getting behind it and it's amazing when you get this moment this tipping point of change it happens very quickly that's right and i think that things have actually been accelerated so much uh, not just because of COVID, but also other movements like the hashtag MeToo movement, obviously the enormous social change that we've seen this year with Black Lives Matter. And I'd, I'd love to tell you later in this conversation about how we've tried to respond as a business. I mean, as you rightly say, we've, we've all been uh, guilty, frankly, of having our eyes shut and and to a degree our hearts shut too but you've never been like that Anya and I think that the fashion industry has been immensely lucky to have you uh leading and and guiding the way in that conversation but I mean I think you know I'm I'm very far from perfect on all this and I think you know it's it's not that we uh, any of us uh, hardly any of us I I hope um are are actively unkind or uninclusive but actually the the point is and this is what you and I I think you should talk about this right now because you've done some really good stuff and I thought the stuff that you actually have written on your new website was actually best in class in fact I I screenshot it it was so so brilliant and appropriate because actually we have to go out of our way to try and if you like, overcorrect a little bit to try and actually offset and to kind of make it, you know, to give sort of parity to, 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 to the way forward, actually, and, and to what's sort of fair. So I, th- I think, I mean, would, would you just talk about Because I think you've just done some brilliant work on this. I'm going to ask you that question. May I do that? <laughs> How have you addressed it? Well, I, I guess that uh, to your point earlier, I only started a business because I wanted to see whether you could be a decent human being and be successful, whatever success means in business at the same time. And very challenging to do that in periods of crisis, by the way, because you have to make some extremely hard decisions. But that really was the only reason why I started a business. So right from the beginning, we committed as a company to something that we call our commitment. It is literally one piece of paper that expresses how we behave, not what we do or how much money we're trying to make or what our P&L says. But it really is about who we are as human beings going about our daily business. It's about culture, ethos and behaviours. And more recently, uh, in June 2019, a group of people came together in the company to to create a 
an IC committee, an intersectionality committee. And those people in the business already are people with lived minority experience. And I suppose the point that you were rightly making, Anya, is you don't have to be a bad person to get this wrong. It's purely part of unconscious bias that we're just not even aware of. And so this intersectionality committee, which, by the way, was not... Uh, created by leadership, it was created by people across the business with different life experience to come together to create uh, responses and behaviours in the company that might try and help us get to a better place. And uh, the response to the Black Lives Matter movement was really uh, created into a piece of uh, writing again, which is called Our Pledge. And all of our work as a company in this space uh, folds back right into the UN SDGs. And when you look at the fashion industry, I looked at it this morning, we could really make positive impact on 12 of the 17 SDGs. And the timeframes are tight. You know, we're talking about 2030, that's 10 years away from now. And so our pledge is really uh, around three things. Number one is around the workforce and education, is actually creating unconscious bias training so that we are improving ourselves, doing things like privilege walks, uh, because one is really blind to the life experience of other people around you, and making sure that our company is a place where everybody uh, is included and feels really comfortable actually in the workplace. The second is around people and community, where our business operates. So that's really around volunteering. And we've got an exciting volunteering scheme where every company member is allowed to take up to five days per year to do volunteering in the community. And again, we've committed to uh, black communities around us, both in New York and in London. And then finally, we have a sort of professional impact part of our work, which is really around pro bono work and helping entrepreneurial companies, uh, founders, uh, people who perhaps haven't had the fortune that you and I have had. And we have committed uh, hundreds of hours of, of pro bono work to help uh, young entrepreneurs coming into our, come into our, our industries and the fashion industry. So we are enjoying that work enormously. And I think that, uh, you know, it's not even about giving. It's about learning, contributing and trying to improve. And that's having a hugely positive impact on us as a business. What I think was so great, though, is the way you've you've documented that. And in fact, we, we haven't done that um, well enough, actually, I would say. I mean, I think that I, th I think we're, we're good at the actions, but actually some of it's quite clear to have that. that that's why you're great at communication. Um, that very clear sort of pledge. Then the flip side, um, and I think that works so well. I think that sometimes we're talking about environment, people are often... Um, they commit to targets out to sort of 2030, 2040, and you sort of know there's going to be sort of change of three CEOs between now and then. And so that what I loved about yours is it was immediate and it was sort of, it was manageable. And I can imagine most companies could sign up to it. And it's that fine balance because it is really hard, you know, and I think it's important to say that also whilst running a company, your, your first priority is, is to the company of people and making sure that you keep their jobs because of all these, you know, of number one, if you like, on the list of, of what we need to deliver is also keeping people, you know, in a job, especially through these, you know, really quite tough times. And that, that's the number one priority, which is hard often when you're trying to juggle all of these other things, which often can, you know, obviously create time away from the business and, and so on. So it's very hard. I always say to um, my teams, and I think that we're sort of small enough to be able to do this in quite a sort of a, an easy sort of, un, um, if you like, published way, although I think we can be much better at that. But actually, 
I always think brand is, is a word that's so overused and means nothing, mm-hmm. but actually it should be replaced with the word behavior. You know, actually that, that really it's, and it's, it's often, I think, and you see it through people's Instagram accounts or their comms or what they've done in terms of a, a project or a product, but it's lots, it's a patchwork of lots of little bits of behavior that actually add up ultimately to what a brand is. And I think that so often, um, you know, the, the apps antithesis of what you just described, people sort of do these sort of big sort of promises, which you kind of think, really, are they actually going to deliver? And actually, they just need to work on lots of bits of, of behavior. And I think that actually, that's also quite manageable for, for much smaller companies as well. So it, it's really hard to navigate through this. And I think that and I literally would encourage anyone listening to this who has their own business to, to go onto Science Magic website and, and screenshot as I did the brilliant, brilliant pledges that you've made. Um, and equally, if you can't do that, just start by just doing lots of things and just drawing them all up. You know, I'm, I'm a great believer in something get getting going as well. And, and it sort of it, it has a life of its own. I quickly. think that's right, Anya. And I mean, I think that the IC committee are quite, uh, uh, they've just been amazing. But in our discussions with them, I keep on wanting to press the point. Let's just do a few things do them well, measure our impact and then build on it rather than creating something so onerous that we're going to fall on our faces. Well, and also then people can feel like it hasn't worked. It's, it's a fine line, but I, mean, we, we, I think that it's really important we all share what works and what doesn't um, amongst businesses as well. I think, that's, I think the idea of sharing is, is actually the way we're going to really um, solve a lot of these problems, actually, from the environment to, to how we embrace diversity. It's actually about collaboration is, is really, Absolutely. really key. I think that um, we know that the only way to solve is not brand by brand, but as a collective coming together. And there's a, there's a lovely um, word, which is co-competition. So cooperation and competition at the same time so that we can, we can uh, cooperate and learn from one another. And by the way, crib away, I'll send you all of the notes from the pledges and the commitments because the more of us c- can learn don't from worry, I've, already, I've already screenshot them, don't worry, I've got them. Yes, <laughs> I've already let's stolen talk, them. <laughs> let's talk about plastic, Anya, because you were such a... In an innovator here, I, I won't remember what year it was, but can you can you start from the beginning and tell us not just about um, what you've done recently, um, but what you did many years ago already? Well, it's funny. I was just laughing. I was talking to my dad this weekend. It's funny because he was a plastics engineer. That was his thing. He was, I think, one of the maybe even the first person to put a hole in a carrier bag, realizing that when you held a, um, a, a carrier bag as the, the plastic stretched it got stronger and so it made a good handle so it's kind of gone full circle in a generation um, but um, so back in 2007 um, I think we were all hearing this word environment environment and Al Gore had done his thing and his book and we were also talking about it but I, I was struggling to to work out what I could do as an individual to make a difference or, or even as a, an organization um, so it was sort of in the back of my mind but I, I hadn't got a sort of a solution to it and and yet I was sort of scared by what I was hearing. Uh, and we were approached by um, an organization called We Are What We Do, which is a social change movement, who were writing a book called Change the World for a Fiver um, to encourage people to think differently. And, and there were 40 actions in this book. Um, and the first action was, wherever possible, refuse plastic bags. Um, so it was sort of tackling the single-use plastic problem Um, and they came to us asking if we would help them amplify this action and to try and make a difference to this um, to people's behavior really so we had quite a simple aim with that project which was to raise awareness 
over the misuse of single-use plastic. And so we designed what we thought was a really nice bag, which was an alternative to plastic. It was a reusable cotton tote bag. Um, and we came up with a sort of catchy um, logo and, and um, I'm not a plastic bag. And we sold it for five pounds, which was quite you know, a thing, given that's obviously a lot less than we normally would sell a bag for, but we wanted to do it, albeit at a, at a loss, um, so that we could kind of gain traction through a bit of a sort of an it bag formula. Do you remember the it bag? of the sort of whenever that was the early 2000s um by putting it on the right arms there was a certain scarcity of product which we didn't plan but became uh, a scarcity of product and we launched it with sort of what i call the golden circle of stores the sort of collets in paris the different street markets that you know etc etc around the world and then we wanted to launch it as a sort of second wave of launches um through a supermarket because we felt that was really you know where the sort of the cold face if you like of the problem so we worked with Sainsbury's who were amazing and partnered with us on this project so um it was I mean it really did gain awareness I and mean, I think 80,000 people queued in one day um to when we launched it in the UK and it went on and on and on and got bigger and more out of control honestly as we launched it in different territories around the world I think in Taiwan when we when we launched it there 30 people went to hospital and i'm clearly very unproud of that so we stopped it immediately but the the point is we set out to raise awareness and what was exciting i think is at the end of the project having i think the year before and i'm making the numbers up something like nine billion plastic bags were used and the year after the project about six and that was a combination of lots of things because a lot of people kind of got behind the project and um taxes were imposed and I think Wales came on board and introduced a, a, a fee if you took a plastic bag and, and on and on and, and now obviously it's, it's sort of legislation in, in many countries around the world that, that you know you charge plastic bags so it made a, a really great difference it kind of nearly killed us um, in, in every respect and not, not, not only financially because it was very expensive to do but a good thing to do we we're very proud of it but also it was you know it became quite political you know we, we didn't realize how big it would become and you know we could have done things better I'm sure you know, it wasn't organic cotton and all these things that you know I was you know you're learning as you go but you you're just yeah. trying to sort of make a difference and so as I went back to my day job thinking that's great we've done that let's you know now the legislation's happening we can sort of you know consider that done and go back to, to normal um hopefully profit yes <laughs> and I and I will say to you that I've still got my I'm not a plastic well done, there you go <laughs> I've washed it many times and you may remember that you then gifted those bags with a lavender coloured uh, border for the lavender trust for a big event for breast cancer so you were you were double i think you by that time you were probably doing 15 of the sdgs already anya so um thanks you'll got it S sdg always sounds a bit like a sexually transmitted disease i always <laughs> giggle as you use the acronym i'm struggling with it but but sorry that was a silly aside but anyway um so yes good no, double dipping all, all good so um but however during that project um there was something someone said to me which is kind of quite well known now but someone said to me when you throw something away there is no away and it just it rattled round and round my head and I was like oh it's just you know and I kept thinking about the fact that if you had to bury in your own garden every bit of plastic that you didn't recycle um you know it would be revolting obviously and, and unsustainable you know it would just be overflowing especially in my little London garden um and so um I just kept thinking oh god I can't sort of let it go and 2020 you know frankly here we are all these years later the problem's far from gone and I think there's eight billion tons of plastic on the planet right now you know it's it's, it's enormous and it's all just going to go into landfill unless we think of another way so I felt that we needed to go back in and have another go at the subject but with a slightly different aim not just awareness clearly but actually trying to to 
keep plastic that's on the planet in circulation. So it doesn't go into landfill. You kind of use it again. So you repurpose it and keep it, you know, the, the circularity of materials they talk about, but keep it circular, keep it moving, keep it out of landfill, um, which is kind of common sense, really. But I, I like this idea of imagine it in your garden. Actually, how can I stop it? How can I reuse that? plastic thing my fruit came in uh, and keep it out of landfill so so we spent two years developing this bag which is called I am a plastic bag because it was made from um, 32 half liter plastic bottles and people had done that before but I wanted to create something that had a very luxurious feeling that was appropriate for our customer but it was so beautifully like a cotton twill that it would actually get dirty <laughs> in the same way so we then and this was complicated we then wanted to coat it on one side so it was a cotton twill on one side uh, and it's the plastic that goes between the windscreens the film that when the windscreen shatters if it does it holds it together oh, and we yeah. managed to repurpose that to coat the outside so it was a recycled coating um and um and that was really really hard i mean it was so hard i can't tell you the first <laughs> the first bolts of fabric arrived and we were so excited to make the first samples and every thickness every bit of the fabric was a different thickness and it was just different bits of plastic repurposed so it behaves in different ways you know it was a in terms of r&d it was i can't tell you it kind of cost me 10 years of, of and i need a facelift as a consequence i think probably um but anyway we did it and it was it's a lovely project not only because it was saving bags from landfill and it feels like it's an appropriate if you're going to make a purchase right now, it's nice to do something you feel at least is doing something positive. But I think it also resurfaced this um, this this problem, and, and we we wanted to illustrate this this garden idea of all these bottles being buried. So we decided, as part protest and part sort of art installation, to close all of our stores for London Fashion Week um, and to fill them with 90,000 used plastic bottles, which we collected ourselves, which pre-COVID, imagine, uh, washed out, delabeled and filled them into the stores. Um, and that's eight minutes uh, of, of, you know, world landfill. And that, I mean, it's just shocking. And I just wanted people to see it because I think when you see it, it logs in your brain and it, it can change behavior so it's been a really really interesting project mainly because i've spent a lot of time in the very sexy areas of landfill sites and uh and and recycling centers and just really learning how it works and i would urge anyone who's interested in the subject just go and visit your local landfill center every school child should and go to your local um recycling center because you learn so much they have open days and it's really really fascinating well it's been it's been an amazing project and those bags, uh, I am a plastic bag, have found their way onto the arms and into the hands of the good and the great all over the world, Anya. And, um, you know, yet again, in a very light, not overly worthy and sort of really fun way, you've managed to um, make sure that the spotlight is is presented uh, in a non-angry way, if you know what I mean, um, by creating those bags. And um, they're beautiful. The bags are beautiful. Thank you. And I think that point about non-angry is really important, actually, because hmm. it's how can you how can you get them? I mean, and you are the communication genius. And I think that that, that non-angry point is, is typically you, because I think you tend to communicate better on these quite sticky subjects because it means you've got to change the way you behave. And that's, you know, and by the way, plastic for now is, is not a bad material. It's actually kind of a rather brilliant material. It's the misuse of plastic. So how we, can we communicate this to sort of say, um, you know, let's make it a positive thing. And so it's a positive change and we just don't make it, as you say, worthy and just haranguing people. Cause actually I think you lose your audience quite quickly. So I like, I like this idea of positive 
positive change, positive Well, fashion. you know, there's always that sort of um, phrase that I'll get wrong, you know, smile and the world smiles with you, cry and you cry alone. And I think that there have been some very angry messages around sustainability and responsibility. And I'm very convinced that if we could all come together and work together and show that actually sustainability is super sexy and really wonderful. I was lucky enough to visit a brand which has to remain nameless in Lausanne uh, in the last year, in my last uh, work trip before uh, lockdown in March. Um, and they're working on a, on a clothing range that um, the, the sort of language around is leave no trace so that everything is compostable and biodegradable. So when you've gone, and you and I hopefully might go to heaven, I mean, you just never know. <laughs> I'm not so sure. Ask my children, I don't think so. <laughs> um, that uh, you sort of leave nothing behind and that you haven't sort of somehow polluted and left a sort of frankly dirty mark. But I do love that idea, and I think you do it beautifully, Anya, of making it fun and uplifting and people want hope inspiration they want to know how to do it and, and I also um, think if you point fingers and just make everyone feel bad about themselves then you almost end up people sort of double down and and, and sort of like whatever I'll just keep going so I think it's about trying to kind of take people with you and make it fun and and, and also I mean it's it's and we will solve these problems I suspect the environmental problems through certainly through science, but also through creativity. Um, you know, I think by, you know, you, you tend to have, and this is where I think fashion is a really exciting medium. You, it is a platform for communication. It's a platform for changes of behavior. I and mean, you think that, you know, platform can sway people to wear mini skirts, you know, loon pants, you know, uh, you know, platforms. I mean, it's amazing how you can change the way people behave. I mean, in, in the most extreme ways, you know, all sorts of things, you know, fashion is, you know, punk, you know, is a fashion, you know, so people really will change um, quite significantly through sort of communication and fashion. So I think it is a good medium for this. And I think fashion and creativity generally and science are going to be, it's a combination of those things um, that will, will make the real difference in the end. Just before we close, and probably we're told to be quiet, um, <laughs> tell me about your book, Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, well, so I wrote a book during lockdown um, and um, it's hard, isn't it? <laughs> yes, very, very hard. <laughs> I was really surprised. Slightly dyslexic as well. But I wrote a book because I think, um, as, I think as you know, I, I bought, um, I sold a bit of my business a, a number of years ago now. We bought it back last year, 2019. Um, and actually it was, it was a, a really lovely moment. Um, and it made me think that you know they're, they're tough those moments and 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 it made me sort of go no you know what actually you have to start you get to 52 and you have to sort of start to sort of trust yourself a bit more and I, I just wanted to write a book that talked about all the things I wish I had known earlier honestly the sort of book I would write to my daughter um really honest really open I mean you know sort of vulnerable making and saying what still makes me scared and how I've got over self-doubt and all those aspects of the sort of madness of the industry and things we, we've sort of touched on today. So it, it's, um, it's going to be launched um, next May. Um, and, um, and I think it's, I hope, a really kind and honest account of, of what it's like being, uh, you know, a woman, a woman in business, a mother, a stepmother, uh, a friend, uh, and all those roles that we play. So it's just, a, it's not really about fashion particularly, it's about actually um, how I sort of, what I wish I'd known. So it's coming out next May, more of that soon. Well, um, I know that I will definitely be a purchaser of that book. And I'm sure that all of the listeners um, on this podcast series will too. And um, good
good luck. I have to say that I found the editing process quite boring. It was one thing doing it, and then those hours of making sure that a comma was in the right place. Anyway, <laughs> and that's for you to look forward to. Um, but Anya, you're an inspiration to so many people, and I feel really lucky that um, I've been asked to have this conversation with you today. And um, I think that you're extraordinary in so many aspects of your life. And I think um, everybody will look forward to reading that book so much. Can I just say, Julieta, right back at your girlfriend, frankly. Um, and I think we should repeat this where I'm interviewing you because actually I think you've got so much, so much more interesting to say. We'll do that next. Hey, <laughs> but thank you. So lovely. To, so lovely to see you and to chat to you. Thank you, Anya. Lots of love. Bye. Bye, darling. Bye. Fashion Forum is a co-production between the British Fashion Council and In Talks With Productions. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with your friends. If you'd like to find out more and join the conversation on social media, then head to londonfashionweek.co.uk or at London Fashion Week.